Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is about your health and your life. We cover topics ranging from health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support with the goal of enhancing everyone's quality of life. We have a great show planned for you today. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me in studio is Vic Sandler, MD, Medical Director, Home Care, and Associate Medical Director, Hospice, with Fairview Hospitals. We will be discussing the need for a Medicare renovation and what a Medicare 2.0 would look like and what the benefits would be to both our country and to our beneficiaries. Each week, we bring you experts from across the health and wellness field to provide insights and recommendations on how to navigate the complexities and challenges of managing both you and your family's health and quality of life. We also focus on our senior population and how we can help you prepare for the various stages of life's transitions. In addition, we provide vital information for the caregivers who are essential to supporting our elder population. I am so grateful for the opportunity each week to discuss these timely and relevant topics with you, and I am thankful for the tremendous response you, our listening audience, have provided to us regarding this unique radio show. Please continue to send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. Each week, this radio show is brought to you by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. All right, I'd like to introduce my guest today. Dr. Sandler is a 35-year veteran of medical practice in internal medicine, geriatric medicine, hospice, and palliative medicine. He currently holds the following positions as medical director, home care, and associate medical director, hospice with Fairview Hospitals. He's the co-chair of the Bioethics Committee, University of Minnesota Medical Center, president of the Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care Physicians, and co-chair of the Minnesota Medical Association Pulsed Task Force. And he is our first guest that's having a repeat performance. And uh, welcome, doctor. Thank you, Ken. Um, last time you were on, you were here with um, uh, Thad Pope, and we were talking about Pulsed. And that was, uh, actually, that was a very well downloaded program. A lot of people downloaded that show. Um, but after that show, you and I had talked about this passion you have for you know, looking at Medicare and, and how we can possibly look at some options and changes and alternatives within the Medicare system to help better address the needs that we're having now. I mean, Medicare was formed, what, 40, 50 years ago, different time, different situations maybe. And now as we see the the baby womb generation retiring and, the, and the, the stress that's being put on all of our systems, including Medicare. Um, what a great time to have uh, your insight to talk about some of these things. Well, thanks for having me on again, Ken. I've been uh, very interested in, in healthcare policy going back uh, over 40 years ago when I uh, graduated college. I did my senior thesis on healthcare, U.S. healthcare policy. So I've had a passion and interest in this area for a long, long time. Um, I was very, I was supportive of the Affordable Care Act uh, that was passed, I, I guess now six, uh, six years ago. Um, and I thought that it did some constructing, constructive things in terms of extending insurance to more people, which is positive, because I do believe that everybody is entitled to health insurance. But the biggest problem that we have, and the reason I think that the health care is the number one concern of voters is from recent surveys, is because the costs are just gotten so out of control. And the Affordable Care Act, though it, as I said, did some constructive things, there was uh, nothing done in a really consequential way to reduce costs. So costs continue to go up in health care over and above the cost of living increases, often two or threefold greater than cost of living increases. And it, it's really not a sustainable situation. 
Well, one of the things I want to just mention here is, uh, and we hear this too in our practice, as I always have to ask people, you know, what are your premiums for your health care? And then, of course, the second question is, what are your deductibles? So I, I, we end up talking to a lot of small business owners and, and people that are self-employed, and it's amazing how they're paying 20 plus thousand dollars a year for the premiums than to be able to have a $10,000 deductible <laughs> on top of that. So they, they really look at out-of-pocket potentially every year of over $30,000. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a, a situation that's untenable for a lot of families. And the, the Federal Reserve actually does studies every year, and, and uh, they recently did a study in 2016, surveyed people and asked them if they had an emergency expense for $400, would they be able to come up with that money? And uh, almost half the people surveyed in the country said they could not come up with $400. They would have to borrow the money or go into debt uh, because people are living paycheck to paycheck. So when you talk about the health care deductibles and coinsurance payments that people are responsible for with current, uh, current health insurance, uh, very, very common for people to rapidly go into debt if they have a hospitalization, even for something as basic as an appendectomy or something along that line or car accident with a back injury, things that are very commonplace, uh, puts many, many families in very, uh, un- very, very difficult financial, financial straits. Well, and, and let me ask this question. What I have heard anecdotally is that with these high costs of coinsurance and co-premiums and deductibles, what I'm sensing is it kind of discourages people from even venturing into the healthcare system because it's like a, a, a minefield. They just don't know what they're going to run across. And so a lot of times, especially I see that with, with the, the, the male population, they just ignore it. And the problem is ignoring things doesn't necessarily help all the time, but um, it, it seems like it discourages them from participating. It's, it's uh, very off-putting to try and enter into the healthcare system. It's very complicated. The system's very fragmented. You don't know who you're dealing with at the other end of the line. If you can get a human voice on the other end of the line, it's, it is very difficult. I had to choose uh, my own health benefits for myself and my wife, you know, this past uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And it's challenging even for me understanding healthcare as well as I do. Uh, it's hard to pick from the, all the various options that are out there. So it is. It's, it's, it's difficult for many people. And you, you need a guide, you need an advocate, but you don't have one. You just have to do the best you can. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I just uh, re-upped our insurance for our, our company and just going through the different definitions of what an embedded policy is versus a non-embedded policy. And you think to yourself, there's just no way I can explain it. This, this communication can be done effectively for a bunch of people in an organization because it is, it's just, it, that's why we say this is, we're trying to uncomplicate the complicated aspect of healthcare these days on this show. Yes, and and I don't think it's possible to make it uncomplicated in, in this day and age. It's it's a it's a terrible system from the standpoint of its fragmentation and it's complicated. It's very difficult for people to enter into it. It's uh, that in itself is very stressful. I think the financial stress and the stress with dealing with healthcare often causes poor health. I mean, stress is a factor, and and. One of the reasons I want to see Medicare change is because of these financial stresses that are put on so many people. And it's actually been well established in the medical literature that stress makes people sicker from the standpoint of more likely to have heart attacks, more difficulty with smoking cessation, greater risk of depression. These kind of financial stresses and the stresses of dealing with the healthcare system are bad for our health. Yeah, yeah. Uh- We've had other sh- uh, other guests on this show that talked about the same thing. If we could uh, have either people manage their stress better or avoid the stress, their health improves. It's, it's just a it's a such a strong correlation there. And uh, yeah, you're right. I think uh, it's just stressful even making decisions about the health plan choices you're making once a year because if you don't do that thoughtfully. You know, then you're in trouble for the rest of the year. Right. I mean, it's ironic that the healthcare system is bad for our health. <laughs> the lack of a system, the complications of it, the fragmentation of it is bad for our health. I'm convinced of that. Well, what's what's other what's also interesting and and really somewhat dis- disturbing is the amount of physicians that are retiring um, and retiring early. I, I heard a statistic 
I mean, it was a six-figure number, 120,000, 130,000 people just saying, you know, I've had enough. And, and, and that's not what we need. We, we have all this great legacy uh, uh, skills and experiences that's just leaving practices. And, and, and at a time when we have this baby boom generation coming on that, that typically is going to use more services, and to have that wisdom and background not be there, I, I think is a concern. I mean, I, I, I hear that from other people as well. Yeah, that's very true. It's a huge concern. There's a very high level of physician burnout uh, currently. So the system is, uh, or the lack thereof of, a, of effective system of healthcare is stressful for patients, families, and physicians alike. And, and that's why a lot of physicians are leaving practice early because of the high level of burnout at the current time. Well, let's talk more about that and some of the things that we can do to help solve some of those problems here at the next segment. It's time for a short break. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about the need for a Medicare renovation with Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director, Home Care and Associate Medical Director, Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. Stay with us. I always had that dream like my daddy before me. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories, something are you thinking of selling your house or downsizing to main level living for an easier lifestyle? I'm Janelle Holty with Seller's Edge Home Team and Coldwell Banker Burnett, your agent with heart. My team specializes in selling homes and helping you find the next property for all life stages. Call me today for your free equity assessment. I'll get you moving. That's Janelle Holty at 612-203-9661 or find us online at sellersedgehometeam.com. As a family-owned business, Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has been serving the Twin Cities since 1930. A new furnace or air conditioner from Standard Heating and Air can lower your monthly utility bills, administer more consistent temperatures, and even improve indoor air quality, making your home safer and healthier for the whole family. The average heating and cooling system lasts 15 to 20 years. So if yours is on its last legs, call Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. Tune in for Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. Coming up, the creative life. Are creative people simply born that way? Or is creativity something that can be taught? Surely some people are more naturally creative than others. No, everyone has a small spark of creativity in them. Not me. Oh, come on, I hear you write a main poem. Oh, remind me to show you my ode to a toenail clipping. The creative life, next time on Philosophy Talk. Philosophy Talk, every Sunday at 8 a.m. and again at 2 p.m. on AM 950. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of EatLocalMinnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. Serving family favorites in Minneapolis since 1964, Milda's Cafe is a great spot for breakfast or lunch. Wake up with their delicious Eggs Benedict or biscuits and gravy and savor their many great lunch options. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Milda serves authentic Finnish pasties. Open weekdays 6 to 3 and now on weekends 8 to 2 on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. Specializing in Szechuan and Peking cuisine, the Great Wall Chinese Restaurant has been a local favorite since 1981. They offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include the sesame chicken, imperial beef, and Peking duck. The Great Wall Restaurant is located off 45th and France with takeout available too. More at greatwallrestaurant.us. You know how it is with vacuum cleaners. You buy them, you break them, then you throw them away, right? Well, not necessarily. Often, fixing your vacuum can be cheaper than replacing it. Ever heard of A1 Vacuum in Roseville? They offer free estimates. So if you wish your vacuum worked like new again, drop by. A1 Vacuum is ready to help clean up your vacuum cleaner act. Find us at a-1vacuum.com or call 651-222-6316. Once I was 11 years old, my daddy told me, go get yourself a wife or you'll be lonely. Once I was 11 years old. I always had that dream like my daddy before me. So I started writing songs, I started writing stories. Something about that glory just always seemed to bore me. Cause only those I really love will never really know me. 
are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland and joining me today in studio is Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. We are talking about Medicare today and the rationale for a Medicare renovation. Um, As a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us at 952-946-6205, or you can text us at 612-999-3426. Once again, call us now at 952-946-6205. So last segment... Uh, we were talking about uh, some of the implications with our uh, healthcare system and how we finance and pay for that through the um, Medicare uh, benefit um, that is currently covering, I think, nearly 50 million people. And uh, over the next 10 years, I believe that number is going to be close to 80 million or more. And uh, it's, uh, it's the largest insurance, uh, health insurance program in the world, uh, <laughs> I think. Um, and, uh, and so it's been around for a little while now. And it's gone through evolutions. Um, and uh, as uh, Dr. Sandler mentioned in the last segment, uh, the last iteration that had affected it was the Affordable Care Act. Um, but we want to talk about, uh, in this segment here, talking about some more of the uh, the uh, elements that go into making rational decisions within healthcare regarding treatment options and things. Uh, doctor, would you uh, help us dive back into this conversation regarding those things? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Ken, you know, I think the thing that's uh, most concerning about uh, Medicare is is that the, the costs are, are just going up rather exponentially. Uh, and people are aware of that. I mean, the costs that are going up for Healthcare higher than the cost of living, but in Medicare that much more so because most of the, the uh, per capita costs for the Medicare population necessarily are much higher, probably three times higher than they are for the average working person. So a lot of a lot of dollars get expended in, in Medicare, and it's of course it's, it's good to spend money when that when those uh, doctors uh, are spending money and taking care of patients, and that's effective in improving outcomes for patients' health. But there's lots of estimates out there that uh, the number uh, of do- the number of tests and procedures done, many many of those are not helpful, particularly to older patients, particularly to frail elderly patients. The American College of Physicians made an estimate back in 2009 that uh, that the health system as a whole, the national health system, uh, was spending 700 billion dollars on unnecessary tests and procedures, tests and procedures that they did not feel benefit uh, patients. And uh, not all of that in the Medicare, but a substantial part of it in Medicare. Um, people have this assumption that, that healthcare, uh, because its intent is positive, that uh, the results are necessarily positive, and that often is not the case because uh, People are subject to having complications of tests and, and procedures, and even die can, uh, from tests and, and medical treatments. That's not unusual. I talk a lot to uh, medical and nursing groups, and I quiz them on the leading causes of death in the country, and, and I ask them what's the first uh, leading cause of death, and most people get that right, that it's heart disease, and second leading cause, which is uh, cancer, and most people know that also. And then I ask them for the third leading cause of death, and, and nobody gets this one right, and it, it happens to be medical errors of inpatient uh, hospital stays of hospitalizations. So there is an enormous downside to medical treatment, um, and some of this is due to medical error. A lot of it is due to medical error. Uh, a lot of it is due to uh, unfortunate or unforeseen complications of, of treatment that, that were maybe uh, well decided at, at the time. But people do need to understand that there's an enormous amount of uh, 
uh, morbidity and even mortality that occurs because of uh, well-intentioned medical treatment. And that's particularly occurs when people have advanced disease or elderly. And, and that's why I think Medicare needs to relook at the way it's uh, reimbursing tests and procedures and, and really focus on tests and procedures that have uh, proven benefit to uh, patients. Well, doesn't the, the you know, through the FDA, uh, um, aren't these things cleared as being proven? Don't they have to prove the fact that there's efficacy or there's, there's a significant benefit? Before, I mean, it's one thing to get it approved for use, but then the next step is to get it approved for reimbursement, right? Right. Well, actually, it's, it's not. Um, the FDA looks specifically at drugs, yeah. and Medicare actually looks at, at tests and procedures that are done on the Medicare population themselves. They have a committee that, that evaluates these. But uh, in a study that reviewed all of this on a to look at what would be reimbursable tests and procedures, what they found was that the patients that were studied were actually much younger than the Medicare population. They were much more male, where the Medicare population is substantially more female. They also were 60% non-U.S. residents. So they're testing people from other countries uh, that are younger and predominantly male. So they're not even reflective of the Medicare population. And they're using these these uh, studies to make decisions on what Medicare uh, will reimburse for. So they're not actually well considered in terms of the research at its baseline. They're looking at the wrong people from the wrong countries and the wrong gender to make these decisions. But it's the Medicare system that's Medicare doing is those, doing this they're itself. They're doing this themselves. Okay, so that, that always leads to just a great question as to, well, why? <laughs> well, I, I think that the, there is such... Um, there is such a tendency to look at medical treatment as positive because of the fact that we, we want to believe that the doctors are trying to help us, that the tests, treatments, drugs are effective, and that's why we're taking them. So I think there's both a cultural bias and a bias of, of, uh, of medicine and the healthcare system that uh, proactive interventions are constructive, but that's often not the case. Yeah. Well, it's... It's tough, too, when you do have a, uh, a situation where you're trying to figure out what my options are as a treatment. Um, it's always been suggested to me you get, get several opinions so you, you can get alternatives. So, um, yeah, but we'll continue this conversation uh, about, about a review here of Medicare and how it can be of benefit to us in terms of some renovation opportunities. So it's time for a short break. I can hear the music. We'll be right back to continue our conversation about the need for a Medicare renovation with Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. Please stay with us. The holidays just snuck up on us and you've waited and waited all year to clean. So don't put it off anymore. Call Zero Res. Not only will it look and feel amazing, it makes your home healthier to get rid of the bacteria, dust mites, and dander lurking in your carpet. So hurry and call before the holidays and get three rooms zero res clean starting at 139 bucks. And get 50 bucks off when you clean dirt and dander's favorite hiding place, your air ducts. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMinnesota.com. Hi, this is Jen of Vandalia Glassworks in St. Paul. We're an independent glass studio celebrating the art of making beautiful glassworks. This ancient skill of creating art from fire is something you can learn to do through the Blow Your Own Glass class classes. Learn to make an elegant glass paperweight, and advanced classes will teach you how to make tumblers and other pieces of art. Consider giving the gift of experience during the holidays. Sign up with friends and family to create artistic glassworks together. More at VandaliaGlassworks.com. Hi, it's Tom Hartman for Continental Diamond. You've heard me talk about this place for a long time. And this holiday season, it's time to get your loved one a gift that will last a lifetime. Their experts know all the latest trends and will help you find the perfect gift to fit any budget with an amazing in-stock selection to choose from. Stay away from the craziness of the malls and visit Continental Diamond, adjacent to the West End in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. That's Continental Diamond for the perfect holiday gift. Native Earth Radio is proud to announce we're adding an extra hour. One hour's too fast. 
That's right, Uncle Curtis. Great. More time for me to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national native news with reporters all around the country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and streaming live on Facebook. Hi, I'm Kirk. And I'm Chad. With Bricks Real Estate and the House Geeks Real Estate Show, Sundays at noon on AM 950. Here with your House Geeks Market Minute. 2.6 is the average number of showings per week per listing in the 200 to 400K price range for the Minneapolis area. This is down year over year and is a main indicator of demand in the marketplace. Pending home sales are down over the same time last year, 6.1%, and the 30-year conventional interest rate is at about 4.81%. This is down over last week's 4.94%. Conclusion for buyers. As predicted, pending home sales have caught up with the slower showing activity, making it a great time to negotiate. For sellers, if you are not on the market yet, it might be a good idea to hold out until the market activity picks up in about a month. Want to know the smarter way to buy and sell homes in the Twin Cities? Check us out online anytime at housegeeks.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Saturday, snow, high near 34. Sunday, chance of snow, cloudy with a high near 31. And Monday, mostly sunny with a high near 26. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com restaurant of the week is Burger Moe's. Located in downtown St. Paul, Burger Moe's is the perfect neighborhood gathering spot before and after XL Energy events. They have two happy hours and more than 60 beers on tap. Located at 242 West 7th Street, St. Paul with plenty of free parking. Find out more at Burger Moe's. Com. Soon we'll be 30 years old. Our songs have been sold. We've traveled around the world and we're still roaming. Soon we'll be 30 years old. Welcome back. You are listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician-owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end-of-life health care. If you have any questions regarding end-of-life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952-898-1022 or visit them online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. And we are talking about Medicare and looking at some of the ways that Medicare could improve managing costs and also managing uh, care for our 50 million people that are currently uh, beneficiaries of the Medicare program. Uh, As a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us now at 952-946-6205. Once again, that's 952-946-6205. 6205, or feel free to text us your questions at 612-999-3426. Well, Dr. Sandler, last segment we were talking about uh, some of the perils that that um, uh, beneficiaries can come into when they do seek medical treatment. It's not necessarily always maybe the best option for them, um, but it's difficult. It's a, it's a real tough thing for both patients and families in making decisions what tests are maybe appropriate, what tests may not be appropriate. There's, there's over-treatment, over-diagnosing, over-testing. Um, could you talk more about this? I think that's a real, real interesting and, and complex area for, for our, our uh, people. Certainly. Um, I, think I'll illust- I think some illustrations would, would be helpful in that regard. A couple of years ago we had, uh, and this is a common scenario actually in, um, in hospice care, there was a woman that entered our hospice that was uh, 92 years old, and, and she had uh, advanced uh, pancreatic cancer. And she came to us after trying uh, chemotherapy. Um, she was quite ill when she came to us, and, and I was really puzzled as to why they had offered a woman this age uh, chemotherapy. Because, in fact, there's no, 
there's no valid research that's been done on people in this age group treating pancreatic cancer or most cancers because, in fact, most people this age are excluded from studies. And the best option for this woman would have been for her to come directly to hospice. It would have better for her quality of life in the short term. It probably would have increased her length of life as well. But the the uh, oncologist, the cancer specialist, offered her chemotherapy. I don't know what he said to her. I wasn't in the room, but he offered it. And the inclination of, of most patients when they're offered something from the doctor is to believe why would the doctor offer this unless it was going to help me? And so they accept the offer, and, and she accepted a trial of the chemotherapy and got very sick from it. And I thought that was very unfortunate. Uh, and I, I think that that's, you know, that's the issue here is that people uh, should be receiving tests and treatments that are really well-established with good medical evidence. We have so many treatments that are done and provided to people uh, that particularly older people that are not evidence-based or based on evidence uh, on studies done on people that are much, much younger, uh, decades younger and extrapolated to their age group. And it's, it's not fair to these people because they're much more sensitive uh, to treatments, have a higher complication rates, both of treatments and drugs. And we have to look at that very carefully. So, you know, my idea is that we really should establish, relook at, at Medicare, uh, at what Medicare... Uh, reimburses at what they cover. And we should base this on solid medical evidence. And things like, for example, statin drugs. Statin drugs are very helpful for many people that have coronary disease, that have vascular disease, uh, uh, that have had heart attacks. However, uh, for what, what the studies have shown is, in fact, if you give statins to people that have not had heart attacks, vascular disease that are older, over 70 years old, it doesn't help them. In fact, they have a slightly higher mortality rate. It doesn't help them in any way. Yet these are given to millions of people uh, as for, for what we call primary prevention to prevent heart attacks in an age group that in fact doesn't do this. So I think that um, we have to look at, at the, the, the tests and the treatments and the 30% of these that are probably non-beneficial, not desirable, uh, and have significant complications for the older people. We could try and just establish guidelines for doctors. In fact, there's a great deal of guidelines that are done, and the guidelines are very are often very thoughtful and well considered. But the, unfortunately, doctors often don't follow the guidelines. And I think the only thing that's going to work is for, in fact, Medicare to stop for paying th uh, paying for tests, treatments, drugs that really don't have efficacy based on the evidence that we have. But that raises a big question is, you know, who determines the efficacy and, and how that gets to be incorporated then into the reimbursement program. Uh, both, both our practices are, are driven by reimbursement. So we, we follow guidelines and uh, otherwise we're not going to be reimbursed for our, the services we provide. But I think determining what those are, that would be the, that's the tough question, isn't it? It is, it is a tough question, but in fact, there's a lot of research been done. There's uh, the American College of Physicians as a foundation that has put together this program called Choosing Widely, and they've asked the various organizations, American College of Cardiology, American College of Radiology, uh, American Family Physicians, to put together uh, tests, treatments uh, that they think are, are of low efficacy, very unlikely to help patients, more likely to cause harm than benefit. And all of these various professional organizations of physicians have done this. But when we've studied to see if the physicians are following these recommendations, they really aren't. You know, they're doing what they have always been used to doing for their patients and not really following current guidelines and current recommendations of their professional society. So I, th I think the only way to get at this is to stop paying for these things that are, that are not beneficial. And when the costs are so high, when we're spending almost one out of every $5 in this country on health care, we should, we should be, have more, uh, be more assured that the dollars are actually going for effective care. And as you said, not causing harm because some of these, some of these do uh, impact a person negatively at times. Without a doubt. I mean, there's, uh, as, as I mentioned, there's a very high death rate uh, in the hospital based on medical error and medical complications. And, uh, 
You know, hospitals can do wonderful, marvelous things, as, as, as you know, Ken, and as oh, yeah. I've seen uh, many, many times. But they are also very dangerous places. People can have serious complications. They can develop antibiotic-resistant uh, infections. They can develop complications of antibiotic therapy. They can have complications mm-hmm. of surgery and surgical infections. It's really uh, important that when, when we use these expensive resources that we have some basis and in medical evidence for going ahead with these treatments. Well, I think the other element, as we were talking off the air, we were, we were discussing you know, understanding when a patient and a family is looking at a treatment, you know, what is the probability of success? And if, if people knew, and I know there's there's uh, studies out there that give a sense for as you have certain comorbidities and you have certain age and you have certain um, considerations about your health that that increases or decreases your probability of success. But as we talked about, sometimes the patients aren't even listening. They'll they'll get that information, but they're not able to really rationally understand well, what does 5% mean? That they focus on the 5%, not the 95%, that it may not do anything for them. Yeah, I think that's very true. I I think that we have to have uh, more in the way of uh, shared uh, decision-making is the term that we're using now where uh, doctors are the experts on medical treatment, but the patients are the experts on their own uh, values. And the idea is for the doctor to present the various options to patients and patients uh, to express their values about what types of treatment they want. The state of Washington actually has mandated by statute uh, shared decision-making. Hopefully that will spread across the country, but we've got a long ways to go in that regard. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. We just received a text here uh, from a listener, and she said, Hello, I just just tuned in to your show. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of this book that I recommend people read about similar thoughts, and it's called A Life Worth Living, and it's a doctor's reflection on illness in a high-tech era, and it's uh, by Robert Martinson. Um, I, I haven't read that book. Have you, have you I, I have heard not. of that? Okay. But it uh, sounds like a very interesting book here. Um, uh, so, well, we got about three minutes left here in this segment. Um, uh so, so with all this information, I, I, I think it can be confusing for, for patients and families about what to do. And, and is the old adage, you know, get three opinions uh, helpful or does that put more cost burden on, <laughs> on the system? Because, you're, you're, again, you're using, you're using up more of the resources by getting more opinions. Well, I, I, think, that, I think it's always good to get a second opinion. Uh, that's, a, that's effective. But the second opinion may be the same as the first. And the second, and doctors, you know, as, as I mentioned, were taught in medical school a curative approach to uh, addressing disease. Um, and 70% of the disease, 70% of the dollars that are expend, uh, expended in this country are on chronic conditions that are not curable, whether we talk about metastatic cancer or arthritis or chronic heart disease, congestive heart failure, dementia. We have no cures for these. You know, we're talking primarily about palliation. Yet, you know, patients and families are, are really uh, have a tendency to accept aggressive treatments that are offered by doctors, whether they be the first opinion or the second opinion. So I think if we're really going to address uh, controlling costs, uh, and I think we have to address this, we're going to have to get at the idea of only paying for treatments that have proven efficacy. Uh, and that can be done. It can be done. It's, it's, it's a heavy lift, but you know we have the knowledge to do it. We have the research to do it. Well, I think you mentioned the fact that these various associations have been doing that research, have been uh, getting that data. I mean, yes. now it's a matter of, of bringing that in to the reimbursement world. Correct. Exactly. And so, so that's where that that's where that disconnect maybe is is happening. We just got to get that in, because you're right. We can't continue to keep funding a growing portion of our our uh, GDP. And Medicare is a very organized system. So, if and Medicare often and their reimbursement uh, decisions often serve as a template for other types of insurance. So, if we can start it out and do it in Medicare, not in one fell swoop, but start progressively curtailing reimbursement for unproven types of medical treatments, I think that would be a start. Other insurance companies uh, could piggyback on those uh, decisions as well, and we could start to move down this road of actually getting rid of costly treatments that do more harm than good. Yeah, yeah, to get, get what you pay for and, and uh, 
you're right. Um, you made a, a point here uh, just previously about uh, chronic conditions, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit further down the or in the next segment here. But I, I've heard that so much of the way to mitigate uh, chronic disease is through lifestyle changes. And you, you had addressed that a little bit in your report that we'll talk about here later. All right, the music is cueing us out here. It's time for a short break. We will be right back to continue our conversation about the need for a Medicare renovation with Dr. Vic Sandler, Medical Director, Home Care, and Associate Medical Director, Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. Please stay with us. of selling your house or downsizing to main level living for an easier lifestyle? I'm Janelle Holty with Seller's Edge Home Team and Coldwell Banker Burnett, your agent with heart. My team specializes in selling homes and helping you find the next property for all life stages. Call me today for your free equity assessment. I'll get you moving. That's Janelle Holty at 612-203-9661 or find us online at sellersedgehometeam.com. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Native Earth Radio is proud to announce we're adding an extra hour. One hour's too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. Great. More time for me to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national Native news with reporters all around the country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and streaming live on Facebook. Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for all your holiday shopping. There's no better place to find that special gift for the book lover in your life. Pick up a new book or get a gift card at Common Good Books, your locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. Whether you're shopping for a child, teen, or adult reader, they'll help you get just the right gift. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or at commongoodbooks.com. I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, we'll be discussing political corruption, Wall Street shenanigans, our corporate overlords, digital dystopia, and maybe throw in a surprise or two as well. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 until midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. November is Govember at Rudy Luther Toyota. With the end of 2018 in sight, it's time to clear out the remaining 2018 Toyotas. Rudy Luther has huge discounts on the most popular small SUV, the RAV4, and Toyota is offering a $3,000 rebate on 2018s through November. If you want a larger SUV, try the 2018 Highlander with 0% financing for 60 months. You'll also get the Holiday Station gas discount for three years with purchase of a new Rudy Luther vehicle. November is Govember, so get going over to Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show. This radio program is brought to you each week by Minnesota Hospice, an independent physician owned medical practice serving local Minnesota communities for over 10 years with innovative and comprehensive end of life health care. If you have any questions regarding end of life care or support, please contact the compassionate team of experts at Minnesota Hospice at 952 898 1022 or online at minnesotahospice.com. My name is Ken Hagland, and joining me today in studio is Dr. Vic Sandler. 
medical director home care and associate medical director hospice with Fairview Hospitals. And we are talking about Medicare and the opportunities for us to continue to improve the cost savings and the efficacy of treatments uh, within the Medicare program. Uh, as a reminder to our audience, we are live on the air today and are looking forward to taking your questions. Please feel free to call us now at 952-946-6205. Once again, that's 952-946-6205. Or as we have had happen this uh, show, people are texting us and you can text us at 612-999-3426. Well, Dr. Sandler, we were talking uh, about a number of issues and uh, thoughts this last segment. And one of the things that we uh, talked about was that uh, uh, many of the chronic conditions and diseases that our, our society has that uh, we try to treat, um, a lot of that is just driven by lifestyle. And if, if we could prescribe lifestyle changes instead of maybe uh, medical treatments, people may be better off uh, in some degree uh, by doing that. But the problem is there's patient accountability that needs to go into that. And, and it's not fair to put that burden on the doctor, even though I think we've tried to do that. Uh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true, Ken. Um, it was actually studied in a publication in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is one of our mo most esteemed medical journals, had an article a few years back about the contribution of medical treatment to actually uh, reducing premature death from uh, disease. And actually, all of medical treatment's only responsible for about 10% of reducing premature death. The vast majority is due to lifestyles such as things such as smoking and drinking and diet and exercise, genetics, environment, and very importantly, socioeconomic status. And, you know, I, I, I was contemplating this uh, just the last few days about one of the things probably if we could transfer all the money that people are spending on health insurance into just improving their incomes and give it back to them as just cash money so that that would probably improve their health more because that's a bigger variable in terms of their health their socioeconomic status is than uh, than their medical treatment and you know that's in some ways that might sound far-fetched uh, because there are people clearly that need medical treatment and absolutely benefit from it. There's that's without a doubt. But I think we do have to start to look at things globally, and that's why, in terms of the looking at Medicare, I do want to see Medicare start to cut costs on unnecessary treatments. And I think we just are going to have to lower the acts because uh, doctors do not seem to be able to do this on, on their own, even when they're given clear guidelines. So I, I think we have to look at it differently and stop paying for things that are not effective treatments or tests or procedures. And as you said, that the a lot of the data is out there. It, it just, it's not reached the point of being incorporated into the reimbursement. So, yeah. Right. There is a, there's a disconnect. Uh, a lot of times Medicare will approve things that aren't adequately tested. I mean, a number of years ago, for example, a lot of the reimbursement decisions are affected by lobbying on the part of doctors and pharmaceutical and device companies. Uh, a number of years ago, the, uh, there was a procedure called CT angiography of the coronary arteries, the kind of X fancy x-ray procedure to look at coronary arteries. And they found that people that had this had no reduction in morbidity or mortality. It didn't add anything uh, to uh, patients in terms of outcomes. It didn't improve their outcomes. And it was initially rejected by Medicare, but then uh, the cardiologists of the country and the technology, the people that manufacture the CAT scan machinery got together and lobbied Congress. And ultimately, it was approved by Medicare with this lobbying effort. So uh, some of these decisions are political. Uh, for sure, and that's unfortunate. But we need to look at uh, deciding things objectively based on medical evidence and stop paying for things that don't help people. Yeah. Well, we've only got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about uh, advanced care planning in the last two minutes? Yeah, I, I think that, that that is also should be part of a Medicare reform proposal. Medicare now reimburses for uh, advanced pl care planning discussions. And these are discussions where doctors or nurses or social workers that are trained to do this sit down with patients 
patients and families and talk about their diagnosis, their prognosis, in other words, how long uh, their life expectancy is given the fact that they may have advanced heart failure or metastatic cancer, and then talk about the patient's wishes and values and goals so they can establish a treatment plan that's really reflective of the patient's knowledge of their disease uh, and consistent with their wishes and values. And, and Medicare, as I say, does reimburse for these discussions as of 2000. January of 2017, but there's very, very little to, uh, of this reimbursement going on, meaning doctors are not having these discussions because, in fact, doctors, most doctors aren't trained to have these discussions. So I think Medicare needs to start to mandate, actually, that, that uh, patients, older patients, frail patients, people with advanced disease, uh, that these discussions be mandated. Not that they're not only reimbursed, but the discussions are mandated. In fact, that becomes a metric for looking at the quality of care so that patients uh, are entitled. I mean, if you look at the Minnesota Patient Bill of Rights, uh, which is really uh, derived from uh, common law nationally, um, people are entitled to know their treatment options and uh, the results, uh, the, the options and the risks and benefit of the various options. This is not done well. And so we need to really mandate that this be done well, that doctors have these discussions, they be trained to have the discussions first and that they begin to have them. Yeah, and that's the key. I think the training, uh, it's, it's you're bringing something new into the process and it just requires that effort. And especially with the fact that we're losing so many primary care physicians it's it's a double-edged sword. Yes, trying to you know get this out there. Those are the people that have, should have the discussions, and then and train them as well. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, um, this has been great, I, I, Dr. Sandler. I appreciate you coming in here and talking about this this uh, kind of common sense approach here that you've you've put together in a you know very nice article that we hope to get you uh, published on. <laughs> at some point here. Um, but this is fantastic. Thank you so much. We are getting near the end of the show. And I want to thank Dr. Vic Sandler, MD, Medical Director Home Care and Associate Medical Director Hospice with Fairview Hospitals. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please contact us with any questions or comments you have regarding today's conversation or let us know of topics you would like for us to discuss on future shows. You can reach us by phone or text at 612-999-3426. Please join us again next Saturday at noon for another live broadcast. We will be talking with Susan Marshak, Executive Director of Minnesota Network of Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, about their mission to educate us on the benefits of hospice care. Thank you for listening to the Minnesota Health and Wellness Show, and until next time, live well. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast?